Hello, everyone. Welcome to Performing Arts Season 5, Episode 3. Yada, yada, yada. You all know the drill. As always, my name is Brian M. Davis. Thank you for joining me today on my podcast, YouTube show, what have you. Uh, joining me today is Roger Gonzalez. He is an actor, director, producer, educator, jack of all trades. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm. Uh, he's a website. Uh, I mean, he owns a website about theater. I have a lot to go with this guy. So, <laughs> so Roger, uh, very standard question: How did you get into the performing arts, or theater, yeah. or performing yeah. arts in general? Yeah, no, what, what happened was um, I had, I was five years old and uh, my teacher, I had no idea what any of this was because I was five years old and my teacher decided that um, she was going to give me a small part in a school play about, I don't even remember what it's about. All I know is that my job, she explained it to me and I, again, I don't remember all the details a long time ago. Go out there. At one point, you are found guilty and the two policemen are going to drag you out and just, you know, struggle a little bit. And uh, and that's it. That's all you have to do. No lines, no nothing. Maybe you can say no. And and I still remember this because I don't remember the details of the play, but I remember going out there and there must have been it's a public school. So it was like five, six hundred people in the audience. And yeah, you know, but I wasn't scared. I didn't, I didn't care because I, to me, it was just fun, you know, and then all of a sudden I hammed it up and I went, Oh no. And I did this whole big dramatic, um, you know, struggle. They dragged me out. And the thing that stuck was how it totally changed everything for me. Uh, at that moment, first of all, the laughter, I'll never forget that. And the reaction, all of a sudden I had, somehow affected the behavior of 500 people, kids and teachers in that audience. And, and they were reacting. And I, I never forgot that. I mean, you know, um, it's many, many years ago. I'm in my 50s and uh, I don't forget that moment. And then after that, I remember all these kids, all of a sudden I became popular from that one moment. And that was my first introduction. So I never forgot it. And then slowly I started thinking, I wanna be in theater. And there was a musical, Finian's Rainbow, playing in Jackson Heights. And I didn't have the courage to audition. I really was scared. But some, a couple of friends kept saying, oh, you got to try. Yeah. And, went, and that was my first musical. And I got cast in the lead. I was Woody. Had never sung on stage. Had never done any of that. So, I don't know. It seemed to, to pull me in. There I was nervous. Because there, you know, I was a lot older. I was 17 or 18 years old, so. And that's how I got started. And then I took it in college. Um, I pursued it many years after college because uh, my wife was involved in a play and she said, oh, we need someone to do set building. And I, I volunteered to help. And next thing you know, I was the set designer. So every time I say I'm going to do something, I end up somehow being, you know, more involved than I expected to be involved. And that, that, that's been kind of fun. And after I did that, uh, I, I joined community theater and I haven't stopped. And since then I've, I've done everything from direct to produce. Um, I'm currently bringing a show on tour, which is an award-winning comedy. I'm, I'm working as a producer and, and development consultant on that. Um, working with two um, Tony and award-winning and nominated producers, Broadway producers on the project. So it, it's, it's been a long journey and, um, and I love every minute of it. I love producing, I love directing, I love 
meeting people in the theater and um and i think i think theater arts and arts in general the best thing in this world the best things oh yeah uh especially you know you mentioned community theater and uh before covid struck i i was really getting my uh handle on community theater at least in brooklyn uh, I know there's community theater in Parliament, Manhattan, Queens, I, I definitely in Staten Island, the Bronx, all over the city, but I was mostly getting stuff uh, going in Brooklyn more so than anything else, but I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for COVID or, and stuff like that, that you know, stuff like that too, you know, I would probably get more handle on community theater in Manhattan, maybe in Queens, probably the Bronx, and probably Staten Island too. Just to get myself, you know, uh, at least uh, a foothold of just say, hey, this is a community theater, rather than just saying, community. when I think of community theater, I think of, oh, this, you know, the, the playhouses I've, you know, worked in Brooklyn, so forth and so on. But yeah, uh, when it comes to community theater, do you have like a aspect that you do, that you love doing there, uh, regardless of what you're doing, saying like acting, you know, you know, stage managing or, you know, uh, ushering, that sort of thing too. Yeah, I do. And, and, and actually they started my website because of community theater. So I, I worked, um, I played, I had fun with the St. Mary's drama guild when I got back into theater after a long hiatus. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was fun. It was fun to be back. And even though I was building the sets, eventually I got, you know, drafted to be in a show and, and, and that next thing you know, I'm, I'm in the, you know, the ensemble and I'm, you know, getting small leads or small parts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, slowly building. And what happened, the reason I started um, my website, which was originally called communitytheaternny.com is because back then there was no, you know, huge internet presence of, of community theater. So my goal was to find all the community theater that I could find. I, you know, I found Parkside Players in, in Queens. I found, um, you know, the Rockaway Theater Company, which is one of my favorite theater companies, community theater companies um, that I've ever worked with. I, I absolutely love them. Another yeah. one I found was the Heights Players. I absolutely love them. I love the people at the Heights Players. And, and slowly I started to find all these groups and, and put them on my site. And then someone said, well, you know, don't just do community theater. There's off, off Broadway, there's off Broadway, yeah. there's independence. So I changed the title. Um, Ron Hellman, who had a, the, I think it was called the Outrageous Fortune Company in, um, in Flushing. He said, why don't you give it a different name, like local theater? And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So I changed the name. And then recently, because everything's gone digital and our exposure is really now, you know, in a digital world and therefore national or even international or worldwide, I just said, you know what, localtheaterusa.com. And we're relaunching that this uh, at the beginning of next month. We did a soft launch and we started to work on it. Uh, but the idea is that now we want to bring attention to all theater all across the country because there's all these great, you know, pockets of theater and arts yeah. over the country. So, and Brooklyn is is a goldmine for theater. So you're, oh, you're yeah. going in the right place. I mean, really. Uh, I, I remember a couple of summers ago, I actually was casted in a Heights uh, a Heights Theater production of I forgot what it was, but. Uh, it, it was something to, along the lines of, uh, it was like Detective Story. I think it was Detective Story. Oh, Detective Story. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did the marketing for them on that. Great. And I was going to be in that thing, but I, 
the weird thing is I I live in like a very it, it would be a very long commute to go to and from the uh, Brooklyn Heights because one I gotta get off at uh Fourth Street and then essentially walk down Fourth Street to where the high cedar is because there's no because unless I have a car which I'm still trying to think about you know getting your driver's license especially in New York City unless you have a car to drive yourself to and from the uh, to and from the heights it is a fairly difficult place because i was actually kind of confused to where i was going because i'm so used to actually walking downtown because i i, I always would if I, you know my uncle lived in park slope so i would always go downtown because it was so close and you know i would walk around downtown all sudden get to know downtown because you know sooner or later i'll probably be working downtown or something like that yeah, it's it's tricky to get there, and you know, a car is not going to solve your problem. Yeah, because it's horrible there. Yeah, because I was because I was looking because I was just remembering the, the 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 parking structure there. Like the streets are very narrow over there, so yeah. it's like even if you do park there, you're probably going to be parking like maybe a couple blocks away. So then, so it's like it's so, but I love the energy of the heights theater itself i was like i was really waiting to do uh like i was hoping to to once i was graduating from college to go back to all this stuff so i start going and uh, go back head on all that stuff and then covid struck I'm like okay but i know like right now uh the heights players are actually doing a, a virtual theater experience called the heights murder mysteries or something like that yeah and that's, that's and, mcduffie he 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 actually wrote it and put it together for them um but yeah, you're right, Brooklyn, and and it's funny that you mentioned Brooklyn College because I I actually taught, I started my teaching career. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was teaching marketing and multicultural marketing there, um, and and yeah, it's you know the Heights is sort of out of the way. I now teach at City Tech. It's one of the the things I do in Queens College. But City Tech is great because it's right, you know, like a few blocks. It's walking distance from the Heights. Yeah. So. A lot of times when I'm teaching in person, which I'm not doing this semester and probably not doing in the fall, uh, it was great. You you know, you taught a class, you're done at five, you grab something to eat and you go to the theater and you know, you can help them with their marketing or, you know, I haven't been in one of their shows in a very, very long yeah. time. And, um, you know, and I was thinking, I wanna get back to the stage, even though, you know, I I, I do I do commercials here and there and, and I do, um, you know, I, I, I do produce theater, especially at the 13th Street Rep, which is unfortunately now on hiatus, uh, not because of the pandemic, but because the owner passed away. Oh, um, yeah, she was she was 103 or something. She was, wasn't running wow. it. Yeah, but it changed his hands and, and now they're trying to make it a landmark. But, you know, I I wanted to get back on stage at the Heights. I the last time I was really in a, in a major production, I played Franklin Hart Jr. at Rockaway and that was amazing that was amazing i i'm very selective of, of who i work with um but there's some wonderful people out there who really really know theater and they're doing community theater and their productions are as good or better than some of the off-broadway or off-off-broadway stuff yeah. and so just uh, you know, we'll be back yeah. we'll be on stage exactly. it's like i was just remembering that even though the heights was pretty you know far away from me uh, the, the closest theater, the closest community theater that wasn't uh, uh, Brooklyn One Productions was the gallery, uh, the gallery players in Park Slope, and another they, phenomenal theater company. Yeah, and, I've never uh, done anything with them in terms of stage, but I've done their marketing. 
um, for the last couple of years. I, you know, well, they run ads on my website. Uh, another great Brooklyn group. Where do, where do you live exactly? Or I, you know, in, uh, I, I want to say I live in Bensonhurst, but I live in the border of Bensonhurst and Bath Beach. But for the longest time, I grew up in the area called Bensonhurst, so I call this area, even though it's like Bath Beach or something like that, it's practically Bensonhurst. So it's like, yeah, so whenever I say, where do you live in my, I live in Bensonhurst. It's like, it's a very, it's like a very more formulaic, uh, it's like a more formulaic answer because it's like, you know, if I lived in Park Slope and, and I happened to live in the Gowanus, I'm like, I don't live in Gowanus, I live in Park Slope. It's like, that's more like, it's like where you, yeah, it's like where you live in uh, New York City. Sometimes the neighborhood doesn't seem to, uh, the neighborhood doesn't seem to recognize to where you are now. So even if you live in like, oh, I, I you know, I, I live in, um, uh, Stipen, uh, not, not Stipenson Heights, uh, you know, I live in, um, like, again, downtown Brooklyn is like, you could live in downtown Brooklyn and it's like, uh, we're in downtown Brooklyn, like, you know, bed and like, oh, that's another name for it now. It's like, so people who... I just say Brooklyn. It's yeah. Because I, I don't really think... Yeah, I live in Brooklyn. I was born in Brooklyn. So I'm like, I'm from yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, because I, I don't think people really, except for certain areas, like Park Slope and, and the Brooklyn Heights areas and downtown Brooklyn, you know, for the most part, people don't, except if you live in Brooklyn, don't identify to a specific area. Yeah. You know, I tell people I live in Queens and I have the same problem because I'll say, well, I live in Glendale, which is near Forest Hills, but my mailing thing says Ridgewood. I'm like, you know what? I just live, I live in Queens. And that's it. Yeah. And to get from Queens to the oh, high players is, uh, man, it, you literally have to take, you know, the M train all the way downtown and, and then take it to Brooklyn. And it's, it's you know, it's tough, but um, sometimes it's better than driving because if you drive, you just won't find, find parking. Unless you get there at six, then you can find. Park Slope with the gallery player is a lot easier to park, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, I mean, well, it's probably, a, a, if it, I haven't been to Park Slope in a while because my uncle moved away. And the last time I was in Park Slope, it was like wall-to-wall -wall construction. So it's like, because, now that like around that area is like they have this whole idea of building up new condos or new apartment buildings and new stuff yeah. like that so it, because it's more, because i think they're trying to do trying to create park slope as sort of like a resident area for people who work downtown or something like that so it's like even if you walk downtown come to park slope and you know live more freely because you could just go and to and from downtown something like that but enough about downtown brooklyn and stuff like that so uh yeah, once I saw about downtown Brooklyn and something like that, it's like the the the, the gears are stuff popping in my mind and stuff like that, especially if especially since I miss going downtown and stuff like that. Anyway, enough about downtown. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned your website, local theater USA or local theater New York. Uh, as of right now, or as is recording, I'm certainly like in the process of still making up. Uh, at the PTA show.com. So by that, by this point, hopefully it'll be a nice little fully functioning uh, website. In, in terms of helming a website and also uh, you know, crafting a website, how long did you, you know, how long 
did it take you to actually essentially get to the point where it's like, okay, this is the website I'm aiming for. You know, uh, this is the exact type of website I've been aiming for. It's like, especially since it's a uh, entertainment website, which is like so easy to do, you know, just do an entertainment website, but for theater, it's a little more difficult because, you know, you got essentially use so many uh, theater uh you know had to keep on like essentially updating with each theater company all that stuff too especially you know like they say hey what what shows are you doing what shows are you doing what shows are you doing that sort of thing well but yeah i you know when i first started the whole idea i was sitting you know sitting in my living room and uh i had i had worked for many years with Time Out new york in fact i helped launch Time Out new york i was there at the very beginning before they were audited before you know all those things and Time Out New York had this wonderful life uh, before the online thing started yeah. to really happen. And, and I remember, you know, we would sell ads into Time Out New York and we had a huge theater section, but I loved the whole, the whole magazine. And that's when I started to discover way ahead of time that there was a lot going on in the city, you know, yeah. and because we were competing with, at the time with the Village Voice, which was a powerhouse, um, you got a sense of all the different clubs, all the different entertainment, you know, options that we had in the city. Uh, I, that's where I, I started to really get a sense of the differences between, let's say, Broadway targeting tourists and off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway and then independent theater and then independent producers and then self-producing playwrights. There's all this world of yeah. possibilities. So when I sat down, I said to my wife, you know, everybody's doing a website. I think at the time I was running El Diario La Prensa. I was the general manager. And um, and they were resistance against the idea of doing a, a website because they couldn't figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. And so I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I got to I got to learn how to do this. It's the future. And so what I did was I, you know, I got back then I got a bunch of books. Right. Um, website design for dummies or whatever it was. And I began to really research it. And I created the website with the idea that I was going to focus attention on the different theater companies in the, in the five boroughs. And then eventually I, I grew a little bit beyond that. And I started to include theater festivals, profiles. Then at another point I said, geez, I'm going to start doing videos because it was me. Yeah. Just me. I didn't have a crew. I didn't have to pay overhead. While these big companies were trying to figure out how to send a video crew to interview someone, uh, I was showing up with a small camera. You know, now yeah. I show up with my, with my iPhone. It's great. I just show yeah. up on my iPhone. I have a little tripod and it does everything that I need to do. And I edit on the way back home on the subway or wherever I am. Um, but back then, you know, some, I started doing videos and they took off. And then I was in a show. I forget what show I was in. I think it was Cactus Flower. I was playing the dentist and I, I kind of ignored the videos for a while. And people were sending me hate mail. Like, where are the videos? You said you were going to do more videos. I don't see any videos. So I started doing more videos. As soon as that show was over, I began with that. And then the site really started to make me money because up to that point, I wasn't thinking about money. I wasn't thinking of monetizing it. I was just, you know, doing it for fun. And then when uh, the recession hit, I was a little tight for that money because I lost all my marketing clients. I was like, I got to figure out a way to do this. And I did. And now, right before the recession, uh, my site, was localtheaterny.com was my main source of income. My second source of income was uh, theater development. And my third source of income was teaching as an yeah. adjunct, teaching marketing. 
but that theater website was had taken off you know all of a sudden um people are hiring me to do publicity and pr they're hiring me to do their marketing they're hiring me to you know they're paying for ads um they're paying me substantial amounts of money to help develop you know their plays take it to off broadway take it on a tour what have you and uh, and then everything died again yeah <laughs> so, I'm like, okay. so the website is gonna change um you know i'm still acting i'm still producing yeah i'm still working on projects and i'm still teaching but that part of my life local theater and why or now local theater usa is going to try to be more of a self-sustaining website so rather than these big advertising packages inexpensive banners um i'm still going to do the email blast and all those things but i'm going to keep it contained yeah so that it doesn't eat up all my time so I can then focus on a show that I hope to bring to Broadway in a few years. We've been working on it for four years. Um, but right now we're doing a tour. Yeah. To get it out to, you know. So the website constantly evolved and it yeah. took a few years for it to make any money at all. Um, but I, I like to use it as a promotional tool. I don't, I'm not like broadwayworld.com or, or um, you know, um, playbill.com or any of those websites where I do big extensive articles and, and journalistic, you know, investigations, any of that. Yeah. It's you have a show, I'm going to help you promote it. We have, I have tens of thousands of followers on different platforms that love to go to theater, but now we're kind of looking at this whole, you know, zooming and, and, you know, um, site specific productions and things like that, because that's what we can do until theater opens up again. Yeah. Uh, now you mentioned Broadway, and you mentioned off off Broadway or just off Broadway. That sort of thing too. Uh, in your experience, is there a difference between a theater that is on Broadway, because say something like uh, I'm trying to think of a, a theater that's on Broadway specifically, because I've actually because uh, my my previous job at Today Tix will be so mad at me of not remembering all these different theaters on hand uh uh let's just say the gershwin okay all right uh i think the gershwin is the one that does wicked yeah that, i i might be wrong on that one. Uh, is it maybe okay uh, let's just say the gershwin right now compared to that to something that's off road like something that's like off broadway which is essentially uh i worked at second stage for uh for at least a few years uh, for like a year and a half one as a volunteer and then uh, as a uh, usher for one their plays that was actually on Broadway. Now, the play that uh, the plays that would be off Broadway, it's literally like maybe down the block, but the play that was on Broadway would be like a block over. So compared to what I just said, you know, when you think about, oh, going to see a Broadway show compared to seeing a going to see a show that's off Broadway, but still is a junk, uh, like a junction to Broadway, like actually on Broadway, is there a difference to in, in promoting that? Where it's just like, oh, there's the Broadway show and there's the off-Broadway show that's kind of like right on the edge, that's kind of like still on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, the the differences obviously are, are the seating. You know, the, the Broadway venues have, um, you know, 500 plus seats or what whatever it is. Um, you know, so those, and, and they, they appeal to tourists. You know, that's a huge part of a moneymaker for New York City is the tourists that come to New York with the intention of seeing a Broadway show, going to dinner yeah. before or after the show, you know, navigating through the Times Square area 
it's it's not necessarily Broadway is not an actual you know space per se. It's 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 the Great White Way. It's it's yeah. theater that's the most professional theater you're going to find in the United States. Although I will say there are Broadway quality productions all over the country. Oh yeah. Particularly in those AEA, you know, those Actors Equity theaters outside of New York and the major cities, and there's Broadway tours which take the show, you know, out to those areas outside of New York. Um, off Broadway, God, I, you know, Off Broadway is pretty clear. It yeah. is, you know, you pretty much know what Off Broadway is. But sometimes people say, "Oh, I'm in an Off Broadway show," and they're not. You know, because the venue is not an off-Broadway venue. So when you're doing a show where you, you know, bought the space, you know, using the space, you have a limited amount of time in that space and there's only 20 seats. And because you think it's around the corner from a Broadway venue, it's not. Nah. And I've seen people do that. So most of my marketing is focused on really off-off and some off. And I think I've done maybe two or three Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. um, but my audience isn't really the audience that they're targeting. I mean, the people that go to Broadway that are reacting to the marketing are typically people coming into, into the city, tourists. Uh, not to say that, you know, people from Connecticut and locally, you know, don't go to Broadway shows, they do. But it's, it's a different animal altogether. So I haven't really focused on marketing Broadway because uh, there's so many other people that do it better than me. Yeah, uh, broadwayworld.com, playbill.com. Um, you know, these these are websites that have that market cornered. So Yeah. Um, so yeah, the off off thing is, you know, 13th Street Rep is off off. Um, a theater for the new city can be off off, but it's also, you know, got spaces that are very tiny, but it's still considered off off. Um, and then there's all these people who create theater who don't have an off-off theater company. Maybe they're a playwright, they have a play, they rent a space, they do the show at that space. So the definitions are a little, you know, fuzzy in some areas. And now everybody's on an even playing field because... Yeah, there, you know, I remember more than a few years ago, I, I, I did some work at a Manhattan, uh, Manhattan Repertory Theater and that's like close to Broadway or at least uh, off Broadway, like literally off Broadway. And I always, you know, because the way it was off Broadway, I was like, oh, I guess this is like my first off Broadway show because it's really off Broadway. Um, so I could it to you, but no, no. Yeah. It was actually that same theater that referred to them. It was just someone who rented that space. And this person said, I'm doing an off Broadway show. And, you know, I don't say anything because I don't, I, I want people to go see a show. I don't care yeah. what it's called. Uh, but no, that's not off Broadway. That's, you know, off off. And yeah. Off. And, um, yeah. And, and by the way, uh, Ken Wolf is, is, is a nice, great oh, guy yeah. who does so much for the people who, you know, who, who work at that space and who rent the space and he does all sorts of playwriting workshops and things like that. So yeah, not, not off Broadway though. Yeah. And if you ever, at, and if, as those who actually are watching and you actually go to Manhattan Repertory Theater, say hi to the dog that's right there. It's, it's, who? Very, he has like a very nice dog that's right there. Yes, it's a famous dog. I know. Yeah. He's always, he's always, uh, you know, putting his pooch in, in videos and things like that. So yeah, I, I have a new puppy this year, and I, you fall in love with them really fast. So I, I like, totally get them. It's like Mahan Repertory Theater. And I think the Players Theater in downtown, uh, 
like downtown have like the only theaters that I know of that have like a dog mascot. So yes, that's right. That's right. Because it's it's like it's weird that it's like one, it's genius marketing. Two, it's like if you want people to come see a show, it's like just put your dog right and there's like put your dog in the advertising. It's, it's one. It's, it's people like oh, it's like it's like you, you can't. It's like it's like. Are you going to say no to this place and mask your show? Listen, you got to try whatever you can to get people to come to see a show or see your work. So I don't blame them. Yeah. And, and as far as the Players Theater is concerned, you know, they have off-off upstairs venues, you know, so they have venues upstairs that hold 30, 40 people. But the actual Players Theater on McDougal is considered uh, off-Broadway because they have enough seating, you know, to make it off-Broadway. Um Although, you know, again, if you go to like, um, uh, what's the, what's the other place in, uh, on Times Square? Uh, but there's, there's all these places that you can Medusa's go. Club. What's that? Medusa's Club. Uh, no, that's, see, that's, to me, that's off, off. Yeah. It's just way too small. Yeah, it uh, is. But I'm, I'm trying to think of, um, of the other place and it, it's, I'm blanking out, but you know, the, depending on the space and depending on whether it's equity or non-equity, depending on I how- I think I might know what one you're talking about. It's like, it, it's like down the block from a, I want to say a, a uh, adult themed sh uh, shop or something like that. Could be, yeah. Cause yeah. that's what Times Square was when I was growing up. It was- yeah. I think, it, I think it's called the Times Square Theater or something like that. That's it, Times Square Theaters, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's all these different possibilities. And I, I've worked, you know, most of the theater I've done off off uh, or community theater or independent productions. Um, I've, I've, the closest I've come to an off-Broadway production was at Theater for the New City and they called it that, but you know, I knew. Yeah. Right. And it was an equity production. So we had, you know, a wonderful cast, but um, you know, it's not, and that's the thing, people get confused with that. But my feeling is promote all theater because you're gonna have a surprise every every now and then. You're gonna yeah. you're going to go see a show in a small space that you think is gonna be crap. And you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go see my cousin Joey, or you know, and, and I feel bad, I don't really wanna go. And then you go and you see this amazing production. And and that's the beauty of theater. That's what appeals to me. This incredible yeah. thing that happens that sometimes is better than you know, I saw, for instance, I saw Ragtime on Broadway uh, and I was all the way on top and they were all the way down there. I was on the balcony and, and the show is absolutely beautiful. Then I saw it again. Uh, the Samaha players um, did it at Poly Prep in Brooklyn and they do wonderful productions too. And, you know, Jeff Samaha brings in like a full orchestra. I mean, it's like it. I did, I did sound for them one year because my daughter was in one of their shows, uh, Children of God, and it was something like 32 body mics. So oh, I'm, I'm up there going, get ready with mic 6, 5, 10, 12, 13, and 14. Get ready with, you know, okay, up with 6, 10, 12, 13, and 14. It was insane. And their productions are amazing. I mean, they're beautiful, Broadway quality productions. So when they did Ragtime, I was blown away. Yeah. Then I watched it at the Heights Players in that tiny little basement that they have. And it was the best production I ever saw of mm. Ragtime. Why? Because it was so personal. 
um, you know, when, when uh, I think the character's name is Call House, when he's singing, he's literally three feet away from you. And you're feeling everything he's feeling. You know, I got closer and closer and closer on that production to the actual cast and the story. And it was gorgeous. And, and so, you know, my whole argument is you don't need Broadway. Yeah. You do need Broadway, Broadway, but you don't need Broadway to see a great production. Yeah. You need people who understand what a great production is. Yeah. I think for the most part, it's like I've had, I work with people who are geniuses in what they do. And of course, and you know, they, they might do a small show in say, you know, uh, a place in Brooklyn College, like say, like one of the small, uh, uh, small studio spaces in Brooklyn College, you know, perform their thing in like say, instead of the, you know, the Buckwall Theater, they might do it in like say, Roosevelt, like 302 or something like that. It's a very famous room too, because it's, it's like a spacious room that's like very, that's like a spacious uh, ballerina-like room and I'm pretty sure it was part of like a ballerina room or something like that. It's like a dance room, something like that. But it's like a very small, I mean, very spacious room. But you, you might be like maybe a few feet away from the action, and it still feels like you know, real, you know, some some uh, stuff that you, you're going like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. And, and the same with like the Buckwall, where it's just like you'd be watching the play on the stage, and you're like literally like maybe a few feet away from it, and it still feels like realistic. Compared to say like the, the times when I did go to Broadway, which was rare because I really didn't go to like Broadway all the time because it's like Broadway, so it's like it's gotta be like oh a couple of hundred a dollar, you know, a couple of hundred a ticket or something like that, just to see it on like the in the the mezzanine or something like that. And if you go to see a Broadway show and like you know, it's like going to McDonald's or Burger King with Broadway. It's like you want to have that good fast food. Well, not like okay. That's a that's a bad analogy. That's a bad analogy for Broadway. But well, it depends on the theater. No. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the theater and also the what type of show that they're doing, you know. But it's like with Broadway, it's like you want to go to Disney World or Disneyland, so you want to be entertained or something like that. But sometimes you want to go to Disney World, Disneyland, and sometimes you go to a place that doesn't actually feel like Disney World, Disneyland because it's like. It's not established, you know, it might be a community theater, something like that, you know. Uh, the last production I worked on before the pandemic was, I believe, Little Women, which was at the gallery, uh, the gallery place, and they did a fantastic job. And this was right as the movie was coming, the new movie that was coming out. So I was watching, this, like, this is really good. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, this is like really on par to what I've seen in the actual live theater, you know, on Bro or something like that. Because, you know, and the thing about, and, and I always have community theater in my heart because, you know, that's where I really got my start in terms of springboarding into the thing, but also independent theater too, because, you know, uh, another great thing would be like working at La Mamba, which is all the way downtown Lower East Side in, again, I forget what, Near Lafayette Street or something. Yeah, like East North Street. East yeah, East North Street. Street. And and it's like the same thing. It's like the, you know, there's like the uh, I mostly use the annex at the La Mamba, so that's like the more basement area of the thing. And I've been watching these shows. And I'm like, these shows were very good for you know in a 
very basement-like quality. I'm like, you know, it's freezing. You know, it's like the ceilings are pretty, almost very low. But I'm watching the show. I'm like, this is a fantastic show for the the space that they're using. So yeah, it's when I think it's like what you just said before. It's like it's not about if you want to go see Broadway, you're thinking as oh, I'm going to see a Broadway show. You think about the quarant, you know, with theater, it's more along the lines of people behind the uh, show. <clears throat> excuse me, the people behind the show and the people working in the show, because those are the people who are really doing the best in terms of thing. And again, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say it, it's all really about the expertise level. I mean, yeah. you can do a show and, you know, on a street corner. And if the people have talent, the people have skill and they know how to put it together, it's going to be a great show on a street corner. Um, it doesn't matter to me. The venue is, you know, it's just another tool that the creator has yeah. Uh, in terms of how much light do I have? How much this do I have? How much, you know, all those, you know, can I build a set? Do I have times for costumes? And you really learn that when, you know, I, I get very involved. I've been very involved with um, um, theater festivals. Now, yeah. I personally don't like to act in theater festivals. The process is a little fast. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mind a fast process, but there's too much happening. And if the theater festival, and there's some theater festivals out there that are absolutely horrific, horrible. They're just horrible people. They're talentless people. They'll give a venue because they want to collect their four or $500 fee to anybody, even if the place sucks. And, yeah. and then there's wonderful festivals who nurture the playwrights who actually, you know, like the uh, Broadway bound theater festival, phenomenal festival, um, uh, the strawberry festival, great, great festival. Um, you know, there's so many of them out there that just do a phenomenal job. And, and all of a sudden you'll see a play like Broadway bound. I've seen plays on that stage and not allowed to have a set. They're not allowed to have uh, really much time on the, on the stage. Uh, they have like a one day setup where, you know, this is where they have to figure out all the lighting and they have to share common lighting grids and things like that. And you go there and you find a play with no set. Well, not just amazing, just out yeah. of this world. Why? Great actors, sometimes equity actors, great script, you know, that's been nurtured and curated by the folks at Broadway Bound. Um, and then, you know, it just looks great and it doesn't have anything. And that same play with a two, three, four, five million dollar budget was going to look differently on Broadway or off Broadway, you know, with a little bit less money and not necessarily make it better. And that that's what I mean, I was seeing right before the pandemic, I was literally going to the theater three, four times a week. Yeah, easily. And to the point where people would invite me to go see plays and I'd be like, I don't want to go. And, they, you know, oh, you don't want to review the show? No, not really, because you know, I also have a life and I have other things that I'm doing. So I can't go to the theater yeah. every single bloody night. But that's where you learn a lot about theater. When you go to all these shows and you see people doing it with different budgets, different approaches. Um, to me, it's all about the acting. If you have a good director, good actor, um, even if you have a shitty script, but you have a director who knows what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised. Joe Batista at 13th Street Rep. Uh, he's a good friend of mine um, and a, probably one of the best directors I know out there. Um, just incredible. I hope to work with him one day. He promised me a monologue. So if he's watching this, uh, where's my monologue? Uh, 
<laughs> he wants me to do one. But he's such a great director. I've seen him take plays that you read them and they absolutely stink. And then you watch him do it and you're like, holy moly, why? Because he got the right actors, he got the right idea, he yeah. structured the play. I mean, most of the, a lot of the plays I've seen him do are, you know, at best, okay, and he makes them great. So see a lot of plays, you know, and, and also helps with my acting. I mean, you know, when I get up to see a show and I see what people are doing on stage, as far as acting, my head's going, you know, oh, that's a good approach. That's that's a bad approach. Never do that on stage. Definitely always do that on stage, you know, and it yeah. helps. It helps on many different levels. So, yeah, it, it helps me too, because I'd be like watching the play. I'm like, okay, like if I was on stage, I probably would have done this, but if I was on like that, that sort of thing. Uh, now you mentioned the pandemic before and you, and the pandemic has really hurt Broadway in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, but Broadway has been trying, and when I say Broadway, I mean like legitimately the, the theater industry. So when I say Broadway, I mean the theater industry, but the theater industry has been like legitimately trying to recover essentially almost like if this wasn't a pandemic and this was like a strike or something like that, the strike would probably been, be over before people would actually be out the door and start striking because no one wants to strike on like in a bigger industry. But this exactly. is much. This is much more of a uh, more of a strike. This is much more of a uh, a health and safety concern. So in terms, so this is more like a multi multifold question because I have like a couple of things. Uh, one. Do you see uh, uh, essentially major Broadway shows retooling, uh, retooling how they uh, stage, you know, retooling essentially blocking on their shows, especially if it's like a more up close personal show, like say West Side Story, or if it's like a very fun show, like say Down of the Opera, where it's like all dancing, you know, West Side Story, you know, it's very romantic. So you have people holding each other, kissing, something like that. Compared to where it's like, where it's just like, make sure you get like a, a a temperature check or something like that. You know, a, a nose check or I mean, not a nose check, a COVID check, that, that sort of thing too. And I know they were thinking about having people who were going to see the show to, like anybody who's going to see a Broadway show, make sure to have a COVID uh, test. Like, say, hey, I had my COVID test. You know, I came back and the best sort of thing. That was today. That's what. Sort of you know, I, I think like the question I was trying to say is like, what kind of precautions will we see once the theater industry like fully returns? There we go. I, I ask, you know, it's funny because uh, I asked a similar question to to my two um, Broadway uh, producer associates a few months ago, uh, you know, during one of the conversations working on the project. And my question was, you know, what do you think is going to happen next? When do you think will it, will it open? And we're talking about Broadway, obviously, not yeah. everything else. So, you know, a couple of things come into play. First of all, the vaccine. So let's see what happens as a result of the vaccine. I think with the vaccine, um, things will begin if people actually go out and take the damn thing, you know, get the vaccine and, and take yeah. all the precautions they have to. Uh, I think that we will start seeing a movement towards uh, plays as they were. However, uh, I don't think we'll ever go back hundred percent to you know the way we did things like for instance equity actors equity 
uh, requires a certain type of dressing room for your cast, if you know, directly. Yeah. And it has to be a certain amount of space. And now there's ventilation issues that are coming into place. There are venues that formerly would host a, an Actors Equity production, even Broadway venues that had these tiny dressing rooms. And though all that has to be uh, restructured and, and actually the thinking behind it has to be changed because you can't have you know, 20 actors in an ensemble uh, cast crammed in a little, little space, yeah. right? And just changing in front of them and, and, you know, sharing drinks and, you know, food everywhere and little things to pick on and people are using their fingers. So all that has to completely change on all theater, uh, pretty much. But I think with the vaccine, you're going to see that theaters are going to make their own choice, their own decisions on these things. They're either going to say, you know, you can't be in the show unless you're vaccinated or, or you know, you have to have a test, the, you know, the day of. Because taking a test when you're starting a production, this is something I'm, I'm looking at right now. I have, a, um, I have a short film that I'm going to be working on. And, you know, I think I'm going to demand that my actors be vaccinated. And yeah. I'm going to have a very small crew. Uh, everyone's going to have to wear a mask unless you're in front of the camera. Uh, but, you know, I have to take these precautions that other people will never see or hear about. But in the theater, it's going to be the same thing. First of all, the, the unions are going to demand certain things and, and producers are just going to have to follow. And yeah. they haven't yet completely 100% decided on what those things are. And those things may be decided, but may change as the landscape, if you will, of the, as the pandemic changes. Yeah. Um, I don't think actors are going to be resistant to doing like kissing scenes or anything like that um but you know you if you're going to kiss someone on stage you want to make sure that person's either been vaccinated like you or hasn't you know i mean testing them means nothing because i had covid at the, the beginning of last year i never had a fever huh. not once i never had a fever except for the very, very last day, I had a very light fever, slight fever. And then that was it. I didn't really cough. I, I was just tired. I was beat, beat up. And then I had antibodies for the longest time. I don't even, you know, just a month ago, my daughter had COVID and she quarantined herself and no one else in the house got it. And I'm, I'm assuming I still have the antibodies because I didn't, I haven't been able to get the vaccine. So all that's going to come into play. But I, I think we'll go back to, you know, people on stage dancing together, holding hands, kissing, um, you know, doing all those things. Just there's a lot of things happening backstage to make sure those people are yeah. safe. You know, actors now, are a funny bunch. They don't want to stop acting. Oh, yeah. The, the trust so actors just want to be on stage and act and be on stage and really have that lifeblood of being in that show because, you know, my acting friends and my uh, colleagues and my best friends, oh, like, they really miss being on stage. And one of my best friends was like, they were literally just, they literally haven't been acting. They literally wasn't on stage for like almost a year or so. So, and they were like, so enjoyed just to be back on stage. Just, yeah. like, just to be like on a very small, uh, yeah, just to be on like a very small set or at least a, a small production thing. So, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't now, mention, uh, just to cut you off for a second, I didn't mention the audience though. I mentioned yeah, the people. Yeah, I, I was there. actually going to, I yeah. was actually, that was my second question, which is okay. essentially uh, the audience. Now, uh, well, Governor, Governor Cuomo, um, King Cuomo, uh, he essentially 
uh, said that as of right now, uh, in the in I'm filming this in late February or so. He said that the people are like, oh, it's going towards like 25 percent indoor dining, 35 percent around like uh, like around after the Marcher show. But when it comes to venues, I I heard that the venues are going to be like very, uh, like not half full. Basically, like say like maybe thirty five thirty five percent in you know thirty five percent or so. When it comes to a big show or at least a, a theater show, if it's like a small venue, thirty five percent that's like maybe twenty maybe thirty people and twenty thirty people at a time or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, my second question is: is uh, how is the seating arrangements going to be now that this has gone? This this uh, pandemic has happened because of what can happen. Because going to a, a full Broadway theater on opening night, or at least on a full theater, it's an amazing experience, but it's also very crowded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, and and. It depends on the size of the venue and it, you know, and I'll tell you some of these smaller venues, it's just not going to survive. Uh, when you look at a venue that can hold, you know, 20, 30 seats and you're told that only 25% occupancy or you have to have a certain distance, yeah. you know, there's two choices there. Uh, you either shut down and say, forget it, this, this shit's not going to work. Or you have to come up with some sort of a, you know, more shows, let's say in a given day, more, you know, more actual, presentations of the show so you can bring more people in uh you may have to do something like you know up the price of your ticket uh and then you're going to deal with all those people who still are not feeling comfortable about sitting in a theater with yeah. one you know three seats away even if you're wearing a mask or two masks doesn't matter yeah. so all those things still are up in the air i mean um you know you look at the 13th street rep right they i think they have I want to say about 45 seats or maybe 65. I can't remember, but it's a small venue, but they're tight. Yeah. You know, they're tight and you sit in there and you have someone right next to you. So now let's say you even make a space, you know, you need three seats separation to have five feet. Yeah. Now you're going to fit what 15 people in that theater. And then you also have to take into account opening night, opening night cast parties, which, you know, probably a thing of the past for a while. Um, and that's where people mingle. So like when you go to the 13th street rep, their lobby is very small. You put 15, 20 people in there, they're close. Yeah. You know, so all those things have to be taken into consideration. Yeah. The bigger theaters have more room, but they also have more people. Yeah. So, you know, the question is who's going to buy a ticket to see a show once everything opens up, who's going to have, Who's going to say, I don't care. I'll put on a mask and I'll go see a show. I'll do that. Yeah. If I have a vaccine. If I, if I have the vaccine by then, uh, I'll still wear a mask and I'll still go see the show. I don't care. Uh, if I had to be cast in a show and there's a kissing scene, the only thing I want to know, I want to know one of two things. Is the other person vaccinated? Because that's going to make it a lot easier for me as a human being to say, I'm willing to do this. And I'm not sure that if the other person well at least if i'm vaccinated and the other person has COVID and kisses me i'm not gonna get it but you know there's still a lot of questions um yeah i saw a reading of a play where these two actors had a kiss 
and my daughter and I went to see it. It was a reading uh, of a play that eventually ended up being at uh, Iadi uh, by Joe Krasik, who's uh, one of my one of my good friends and and the person I'm working with uh, to bring that show on tour. Uh, we were working for four years together. He did a reading of one of his plays, which eventually got staged. And there's a kissing scene. Yeah. And I walk in and I right away, I notice one of the actors got the sniffles. This is way before COVID. So this yeah. actor, you know, blowing his nose, blowing his nose. And he's got this little tissue that looks like, you know, like it's been through nostril, nostril hell. I mean, yeah. he's practically, you know, digging into his nostrils to get, <laughs> and the boogers and the cold out and the whole thing and so at first I thought it was part of the show and then I realized he's really oh, sick. No. He's, he's actually sick he's sick he's actually sick so the play moves on and and the whole time even during the play he's you know and I'm like, I remember. <laughs> he, gets, I... he gets to the kissing point and the other guy kisses him and I remember my daughter turning around going, ew. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I thought, now that's dedication. Cause I would have said, I'm not kissing no that actor with a cold. No way. I, I, today for the reading, we're going to hug. <laughs> you yeah. know? Or we're going to do something that doesn't get me close. And that's just a cold. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's another thing about uh, theater spaces too, is that you can catch a cold or some sickness rather quickly because of all the people that's there. I remember we were doing a show a few years ago where I was an usher, so I would be in the audience like sitting down. And the main actor, he had a cold, right? And I could tell he had a cold. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, just don't worry about me. I'll, I'll just, pl you know, plow through today. But, and you could tell in his voice too, it was like his voice was more deeper. You could tell that he was a little sniffles. And I remember, and of course, the theaters are also quite cold sometimes because yeah. because and that's another thing it's like uh some theaters will be very cold because uh i, I remember talking to this to one of my house managers and i, I remember him saying why is the theater always cold and, go, and he kind of goes to me he goes well it's to keep people up or something like that and and you have to remember one theaters are quite cold and if someone's fighting a cold or something like that there is a lot more chance you might gain that cold though too, because I remember because once that show ended, I came home and I was like, okay, I was like, if I get something, I'm getting something. And then next couple of days, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel something now. Yeah. And then, and then I think I caught another cold at the same time from my brother, so I was literally like so on the bed, just like so, like like I I kind of joked to myself, I was like practically like the Walking Dead, where it's just like I was just that that uh cold ridden so yeah it, it's definitely gonna be something where it's just like well, yeah. if, if the seating charts are spaced out especially in a small theater good for them but also you have to deal with you know not only not only covid you know but also other you know other sicknesses as well you know someone might uh, you know someone ha might have the flu so oh my god you know well, it's funny that you say that because uh, I always felt theaters and dressing rooms were petri dishes for any number of possible colds and flus. And, and I, I know most actors who do theater know that for a fact. They know that if they do a show in certain festivals, they're going to be put in a tiny little room where other people could be sick. And the, the scary part is that when this whole thing 
developed and everybody was talking about it and Cuomo was coming on and they were thinking about shutting down everything just before it went into full mode yeah. pandemic. Um, I was working on a production that was going to open at the 13th Street Rep. And I remember going to that, you know, to do a video with the entire cast. And a couple of them were sort of, <clears throat> you know, and I was doing that too. And I thought, you know, at the moment I thought, eh, it's, yeah. it's nothing. Well, I ended up getting COVID shortly after that. Um, not saying they did it. I yeah. caught it at the Heights players because it just so happens that the Heights players, um, there was one show I think was, was directed by um, Bernie Bozio and, and that show, everyone was sick, everyone. Yeah. And, and I was like, Holy cow. And then I went to see a show at the 13th street rep, my good friend, Joe Batista directed, or maybe that one was at theater for the new city. I can't remember. And, um, and he was sick. And everyone in that cast was sick and they were showing up and doing the show sick. This is literally that two week window right before everything shut down. I was exposed to three different productions, three separate productions where the entire cast was sick. Yeah. You know, and, and there were a couple of people who passed away at the 13th Street rep. Uh, one person, actually, uh, from COVID who lived there. Hmm. Um and there was a person who passed away at the Heights players at the end of last year, suddenly. And, and he was, you know, he was an older fella. And, and, you know, I sometimes think who had COVID out of, out of these people, you know, it, it's, it's hard to tell, but um, yeah, man, I, I think, I think moving forward to answer your question, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Um, I think if I produced a play, I would insist that the cast be vaccinated and the crew, I would be vaccinated. Um, cause at least I feel like we're not going to some it. sort of, uh, uh, less, but yeah, less danger, but more, uh, less danger to ourselves, but at least we're professional about it. Yeah. And, and look, you know what? I, I think, um, it depends on the business owner, whatever business you're in, cause I do marketing consulting with other non-theatrical or entertainment entities. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot going around about at, you know, to what point should we take precautions? I think taking the vaccine, I know some people are resistant and, you know, they have different political views and, you know, theories and, and, uh, and yeah. all that stuff. So, you know, I, I respect if a person doesn't want to do it, but I'm, I think that if I, if I produce, I know that I'm producing a few things. I'm going to insist on vaccinated cast. Um, you don't want to vaccinate yourself, then I'll just cast someone else who does. Uh, yeah. It's sad because, you know, we've lost a lot of actors in New York. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to, thank God, to dying or to COVID, but just they couldn't stay here. They couldn't afford the city. They had to go back home to wherever. Yeah. Uh, we've lost a lot of talent who's who've had to give up on you know, life in the city. And, uh, and so that makes our choices a little bit, you know, more filtered, but I, I would insist on that. I, I wouldn't want to kiss anybody on stage or, or be close to anybody on stage who, who wasn't vaccinated. That's, you know, that's the truth. Unless I'm vaccinated and the person took a temperature test, but even that can't, yeah, even that could always be like a false negative, like literally a false negative. It's like, you know, I would go, when I had work, uh, I would have, you know, do a temperature check and then 
you know, I would feel a little hot because I'd be walking to and from work and it is sort of like winter time and my temperature would always be like, oh, it's like, your temperature is like 89.9 or something like that. And I feel a little warm regardless. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's just like, and of course, if you're going into the theater, it's like, it's like what you just said before, it's like a petri dish of, you know, possibly other sicknesses. So, yeah. you know. And look, these theaters, a lot of them are just not that clean. You know, yeah. maybe Broadway has the ability and the can afford to have the theater cleaned in between shows, like really, you know, disinfected. But a lot of these productions you're dealing with, um, especially when you get to the off-off uh, venues and places like that, and even many of the off-Broadway, um, they don't have the money. Uh, yeah. They don't, the, they don't have the money or the or the facilities like literally to be a very clean facility yeah i mean but some i mean have you been to some of these bathrooms at, at some of these theaters it's like oh my yeah. god you know there's theaters everywhere there's there's a theater you know that does festival in in a project you know at, at the hudson guild theater and and those bathrooms are kept pretty clean but i don't think anybody's really cleaning the theater oh no and there's, you know, if they do a festival, a live festival, you're going to have four shows in one day. Oh, yeah. And you're telling me that someone's actually going to go around and wipe everything between shows because the cast ain't doing it. And yeah. the people who, who, you know, who paid to be in the festival ain't going to do it. And I can tell you right now, the festival people ain't going to do it because it's a small skeleton, uh, you know, crew. So I, I get get a vaccination and, and, and then maybe you, you're safe, but. Um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely gonna be a weird next few years, or at least the next couple of years. But we may, you know, uh, people might not be done uh, done. People might not be dumb and just start treating this thing, you know, more with more seriousness and gusto. And suddenly, I don't believe it. I, yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I I think most people are. There's too many people. Let's just say not yeah. most, but there's too many people who are still resistant to this whole idea still don't take precautions still yeah. wear their masks you know down here it's like i'm sorry but you know you're hurting you're hurting the rest of the population you're an asshole if you are the kind of person that walks into any kind of a venue pardon my french and refuses to take any precautions that's what you are yeah and and again this doesn't stop at COVID. This this also goes with different other sicknesses like the flu or stomach yeah. flu, uh, the common cold, that sort of thing too, is especially the common cold where it's like if someone is not feeling well and on, on the day of and it's the common cold, chances are they gotta be knocked out like regardless, like during the like during the show, just like just trying to save their energy. You know, it's like I, I remember times where my one of the coaches would be like, "Oh, I have stomach flu, so I'm just gonna be I'm sitting around myself. Just don't bother me until I'm on stage." You know, uh, I I gotta tell you something. I whenever I produce shows, whenever even before COVID, way before COVID, I would stay away from cold. Uh, you know, the 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 heavy winter part of the year, uh, and that was because a because I know a lot of these little theaters that we would rent. To, to produce our shows were cold, you know, like you said, very, very few heaters or not enough heat. Yeah. Uh, B, because it affects ticket sales, you know, when, when there's a snowstorm and you have to cancel your show because you have no choice, um, you can't make up that show 
usually, especially in a rental, because you're limited to that one week or two weeks. And unless you do a show on a Tuesday, which again, you know, based on uh, availability, but yeah, it, you, it's, you know, I, I can only imagine if people are saying, and they are, that we should be opening or we will be opening theater by the end of 2021, um, that also means we're heading into the cold season. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 think, I think we still have to sit and wait, unfortunately. For me, it's about acting on, I don't really like doing, um, you know, Zoom readings unless they, or Zoom uh, plays uh -huh. unless Unless yeah. they're leading to something, unless it's a reading because, you know, we're looking to stage it down the line. Uh, but I, I love the Zoom. I think Zoom, if, if you're creative, you can create some amazing uh, Zoom presentations that are interesting. Uh, the same thing with digital. I, you know, I can take two actors and put them in my living room, make sure that, you know, they've had their vaccine and use the living room as the set. You know, and if one scene is in the kitchen, I move those two actors to the kitchen and do the scene there. You know, so it depends on the play and the and the work you're working on. But there are ways that we can still. And when I say videotape, and I don't mean like a movie, I mean sort of like a, a heightened videotape of a play, staged like a play, blocked like a play, but utilizing video to record it and then put it out there. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't think we'll see anything until the end of this year starting to come back to normal. And on that note, that's a good way to actually wrap up today's episode. Uh, Roger, thank you for being a guest on the show. I do have two quick questions. They're very fairly quick. Uh, do you have any advice to those who are actually trying to produce their own work or something like that, especially now? Or is it just like... Yeah, keep developing. Listen, um, a recession... Every time I see a recession, I see these, these people who are in business all of a sudden clamp up. Uh, they don't communicate with their clients. They don't continue doing the things that they were doing. They, they sort of become reactive. And I think actors and producers and theater companies do the same thing. Oh, what do we do? And so they shut down, they shut up. They, they don't know what to say, so they say nothing. Uh, and for playwrights who are looking to develop their play, same thing, you know, oh, you know, I'll keep writing, but I won't pursue developing for a while or producing. No, I, I say, just find a way. You can still do readings, really good readings um, on Zoom. You could do rehearsals on Zoom. You can do, um, I just watched a show, it's a cooking show. And I'm trying to remember who, it's It's a young um, pop star. Oh, Selena, Go Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. I, I don't know if you've seen the show, but this, yeah. so what the crew did, they're not there. They set remote cameras all over the house and then she has a live feed on a screen of a chef who shows her how to cook a certain you know, dish. Oh, nice. And, and it's so cool because I, I didn't care about the show. I thought the show was cute, but I kept saying to my wife, holy cow, look at the cameras. There's a camera there, there's a camera there. And somewhere remotely, there's a director, you know. Telling, what, telling, telling them what to do. Yeah, and following the action. So yeah, if you're a producer, keep producing, keep developing. If you can't put your show on a live stage right now, um, you can still work on the show. You can still, you know, come up with a marketing plan, come up with a, you know, a, a, a business model, something that you, so when everything opens up, you're ready. There's a lot of theater companies out there that, you know, just don't say anything. Just don't say anything that's happening. They, you know, the, the, 
the Rockaway Theater Company was putting up plays that they had videotaped years ago so that at least they stayed top of mind. Now they're doing free workshops. The Heist players <laughs> did that live murder mystery. Uh, or I don't know if it was live, but it was streamed, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the gallery still did their black box. You yeah. know? So people are still doing stuff. And as, if you're an actor, uh, you can still act. You can still, you know. Oh, yeah. Video submissions are master the art of video submissions because that's what everybody's going to be asking you for. So if you didn't like video submissions and you wanted to audition in person, guess what? Get rid of that idea and start doing, you know, start working on video submissions. Jeff Sama has a series out, How to Look Good on Zoom, which I saw it the other day and I thought, okay, that's, that's something, you know, how to look good on Zoom. Uh, because a lot of people will do these things where, you know, they're talking on Zoom and they look like this and you're like, uh, can you fix that? Because I'd like to see you. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, oh, and the other two questions are probably like the same question, but to those who, who do want to follow you, where can we find you outside of local theater USA? Well, thank you for asking that. Um, so I am, I have Roger local theater at, at uh, in, in Instagram. So at Roger Local Theater, Theater is RE at Instagram. And there I talk about everything. I talk about, you know, theater. I talk about the arts. I talk about food. Uh, I have Theater Marketing Insights, um, which is Theater Marketing Insights 2021, which is also on Instagram. And there I talk about marketing. Um, and uh, you can find me on Facebook at Local Theater NY. And I have several groups. Or so if you're an actor, Actors for Actors, NYC. And if you're a playwright, Playwrights and Productions, uh, both of these are on Facebook. So there's a lot of ways to find me. Yeah, uh, it's like look for me, just Google me, and uh, you know, feel free. Anybody who's out there who has any questions or anything like that, you can reach out to me, and I'd be happy to give you, you know, my spin on things. All right. And in that note, Roger, thank you for joining me today. And please, just stay well, be well, and just take care of yourselves. Ryan, thank you for doing this. This was great fun. And the same to you. Stay healthy. And, uh, you know, we'll be back. Thank you. And we will be back. That's right.